0: Hey everyone, this is Erica, your host of the Musicians of Color podcast, where we highlight BIPOC musicians in the classical music industry, and also uh, solo episodes with me uh, speaking about music education and being a band director. So I am here in the second episode of the series of Music in Our Schools Month to talk about concert week and preparing for concert week because um, I have a concert on Wednesday. And so I thought it would be a really, really great idea for us to just talk about what should we do during the week of the concert, leading up to a concert, etc. The first thing you got to do when you are planning the concert is planning logistics. That would be communicating with parents, communicating to students, to colleagues, um, especially if you're doing like uh joint rehearsals during the school day. Uh there's um uh logistics as in like concert programming, like who's doing the program, etc. And so I kind of want to tap into some of these things with you. And the first thing I want to talk about is communicating with parents. I like to do a one-month reminder prior to the concert. Hey, a concert is coming up. After that, I do three, two, one. So if I miss the month mark, then I definitely do it the third week before the concert telling them this is the concert date and um, more details will come later. Just a thing because some parents will forget even though if we tell them the dates begin the school year, they will just forget. So I do that on two weeks before the concert starts. What I do is I tell parents about the concert dress because I kind of gives them a reminder like, Hey, like if I don't have this concert attire, this is what I need to be buying for my child, or my students will be like reminding their parents, hey, I need to buy these clothes. And again, the details of the concert, when is it, where is it, um, how long you expect the concert to be, what is the concert order. And then a week of, the week up I should say, is everything you said before, and then adding, making sure you put the call time onto it. Um, if there is a snow date, and you know, for us we have a snow date planned, anything else they need to know Reminder for the students to take their instruments home uh, because the concert for in my case is not at our school is at the high school so give me a little uh background story my concert is a pyramid concert so elementary band is performing middle school band is performing high school band concert band and jazz band is performing so not only do you have to communicate with parents, again, logistic, logistic, logistics, you have to communicate to your colleagues. And that is colleagues in your school and colleagues that you work in your department. So I reached out to my colleagues three weeks before, again, three, two, one. Three weeks before the concert, and I said, hey, here is a document that lists my needs my percussion equipment, um, the order, how long I'm expecting the concert to be, what do I need from you guys. Um, This is my seating chart. Like I put everything in this one Google Doc and I tell them, feel free to add your information onto this thread because our high school band director needs all this information so he can plan, talk to his maintenance. It's like continuous. So the more that you give people a heads up, the less frantic you're going to be. That's the theme. The more you do ahead, even if it's little baby steps ahead then the week of the concert, you're good. You know, your needs are taken care of, you know, your kids are taken care of, you know, the parents know what to do, where everyone's supposed to be at. And it really helps. So logistics, parents, one, logistics with with colleagues within your department, two, now we're moving to logistics with your colleagues within your building. So, in our school, we have uh, dress rehearsals within the school day. We need to do that because our ensembles meet by grade, not by like level, ability, etc. So, for example, sixth grade tends to play by themselves. Seven, eighth grade tend to play by each with each other. So. In this specific concert I have one piece where six seven eighth are playing together and then a couple of pieces where seven eighth are together and then one piece where eighth grade is with the high school <laughs> so because you know we're celebrating music in our schools and we're showing our audience the growth the sequence from young musician to to an older musician etc and you have to talk to your colleagues talk to your principals hey, to get buses ready because i had to go for example today i went to the high school in the bus and the bus forgot us and so i had to go talk to the front desk and be like are we going to get a bus like i need to rehearse with my with uh, the high school so all of those things leading up to your concert week i would say are the most important things we're going to get to rehearsals next but A hundred percent, as you're getting ready for a concert, logistics that are in communication is the first thing you need to do. When we go into the rehearsal, that's a whole different thing. Rehearsal setup, it's just you and the kids, right? It's you and the kids, you and the kids. So when you are in rehearsal, there are plenty of things you can do. And here are some things you can do during your rehearsals. So one of the things you can do leading up to a concert is starting practicing run-throughs. I would say three weeks before a concert, you're still good trying to work on things like uh, making sure you're getting transitions done, making sure that kids are playing the right notes and rhythm, like things. You're still rehearsing, you're still educating, you're still teaching. When you get to the second week, you warn the kids, like, "Hey, like we're having a concert, so we're gonna start doing some run-throughs," and Practicing these run-throughs and then you're gonna see all the transitions that they don't get right and You know gonna, you're gonna go you know help them over and over again Like this is what you need to do This is where you need to be at and here's when you're gonna decide as a teacher Like are they gonna need a cue? Okay, are they gonna need this humongous cue? To let them know where they are in specific places. I'm comfortable doing that. I'm comfortable helping my students like this is their cue like when I do this certain motion, then you're, this is measure 45. Like I'm okay doing that. So landing marks, like landmarks, it, um, making sure they know where it is, et cetera. I decided the week of my concert, um, and the week, uh, the end of the week before that we rehearse in the group. So for example, sixth and seventh graded rehearse last week together this week, I had seven eighth rehearsed together. And then on Wednesday, 6th and 8th are rehearsing together. So I'm breaking that up apart. Um, So when you're rehearsing ensembles, you can break it up that way. And focusing only, I decided that to only focus on one piece. So when I met with 6th and 7th grade, I only did Cyclone. And that's the only piece I focused on. And then today, 7th and 8th grade, I only did Locomotive Chase. And that was the piece I was working on. I did not try to do... Rehearsals and run-throughs on all three, because yes, you do them all three in a row in your concert, but there's always, at least for me, transitional times in between. So I have my first piece is six, seven, eighth, and then my second piece is only be seven, eighth, because there always going to be a disruption between the two pieces. So I don't feel like doing a straight run-through from back to back to back is important. If I was Performing at a festival like if I was doing a competition and assessment. I would definitely practice going back to back to back because There is no transition time um, And the environment and the situation is different, but in the case of this pyramid concert I don't need to do back to back to back run-throughs just one piece at a time also when you're doing these longer rehearsals for example, I think my sixth graders were playing like two or three classes in a row. I, uh, making sure that there are break times already inside their, uh, rehearsal. So when sixth and seventh grade were rehearsing together, there wasn't that many breaks. I did give them some time to practice like, okay, noodle, like for like a minute at the part that you're, uh, still having trouble with. So you can facilitate that way, like giving them some time to just work what they need to work with, work on. You can facilitate that way on just letting them practice. Yes, there should be practice at home, but there is more motivation when you are practicing um, like, you know, a little excerpt when others around you are practicing, there's a different kind of environment and therefore I allow, I think in every rehearsal, I actually allow there be a segment of them practicing, like just for like a minute or like 30 seconds. And that has um, paid long legs. I know, to be honest, a lot of kids don't practice at home. But if you allow them that time to practice in your class, even for if it's like less than a minute, they at least are motivated in that short amount of time. But in these long rehearsals, you do need to give your students a legit break, like not playing, but their mind can still be engaged. So I kind of hinted at this earlier on my social media reel on uh, Instagram about allowing your students to have a break. And if you don't follow me on social media, please do. On Instagram, you can follow me at expressive musician And on Facebook, you can follow the podcast page, which is Musicians of Color. So uh, going back to giving what you should do when you have these uh, face breaks, (laughs) I guess you can say, um, you can have them listen to other recordings. So that's what I did. Uh, Last week, I had my sixth graders' mouths were so tired. Um, They don't currently have the stamina to play three class times in a row. What I did is, I said, let's watch these YouTube videos of other bands playing the exact same piece we're doing and let's compare. We did that and it was so cool. A lot of the students were saying things like, we play better in tune than this band, or, you know, we have better articulations of this one band, but we don't have better articulations compared to the other band that was performing at Midwest. <laughs> And so, I was telling my students about. And then I was an opportunity to, to explain to them about Midwest, like what what is Midwest, and the level of caliber. And so they actually felt it was really good because they felt the recording from Midwest didn't have good balance in the saxophone section. And so they understood why. Okay, they understood why I was saying in rehearsal we need to hear the saxophones. And because the saxophone has a really interesting part in this section, even though they're not the melody, I would like to hear the saxophones. And once they heard multiple recordings and how every recording I said to them, do you hear the saxophones? And they were like, no, even at the Midwest recording, the saxophone part that I wanted to highlight was not audible to the degree that it should be in my opinion. And so they realized I got to protect the saxophone players. That was really cool that they decided as an ensemble, like we have to do our best to protect the saxophones in this section because Mrs. Gates is right. You can't hear them. And we want to be that you, YouTube recording that you can hear the saxophones. I think that's really cool. So that way they were engaged that way they were losing their ears. And then right after that, I me showing them these recordings, guess what happened? They Wanted to practice. They said, Hey, Miss Gates, can we have that like a little practice session? I said, Yeah. So they practiced and it was phenomenal to hear exactly what they were practicing. They were practicing the thing that they were identifying that they weren't doing well and that others were doing well. It was just so cool, like proud teacher moment there. So don't think, I should say, don't think that you have to play, 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 play leading up to the concert. Yes, you want to run through things, but if you keep pushing it, you're going to add stress to yourself. Um, Your body's going to be tense. The kids are going to feel like they're just not going to get it. That's bad vibes for everyone, right? So using your rehearsal times by what can be fixed in the reasonable time that I have left. Let the kids acknowledge what they do not do well, but also let them acknowledge what they do do well. And then try to bridge the gap. So that is the biggest focus I have leading up to the concert in rehearsal sense is this is where we are. We know what we do well. Let's work on what we don't do well and bridge the gap closer to, to everything is the best that we can do. So I would say my seventh grade band, I know I was just talking about my sixth grade band. My seventh grade band is all in different like abilities. And so with them, I'm always reassuring to them that as long as you give me your best, that is what I would like to have. But they will also be honest, like they'll be honest, like, hey, like, I don't have this part prepared. I don't, I'm not gonna have it prepared by this because they are probably still, they just started this year and, um, or they've been sick out a lot and they just know what they can and cannot do. And so having that open dialogue of honesty of what I can and cannot do, I think is really important to, as a teacher, to know what they can expect from their students that way you know what you're supposed to be hearing. Of course you want all your students to continue to try their best to learn their part, but honestly when it gets to a point where what they do is what they do, and that's you're gonna have to be okay with that. Because if you're gonna try to push them to do something that they know that's not, you know, you're just not, you're just wasting viable time, you could be working on other things. Like dynamics, you know, like great, we do this section well, Let's do that section again and really pay attention to dynamics and really pay attention to articulation and really, you know, make sure we're holding that whole note for four beats, things like that. Um, other things you could do in rehearsals is that, like just practicing dynamics, just practicing articulations. Like we do know that, but how do we practice that? We just assume to find that excerpt and do it over and over and over again as a loop. I challenge you to do this in a different way. You can do this with your scale. So if your piece is in concert F, play your concert F scale in whole notes and have them crescendo and decrescendo and crescendo and decrescendo because they're already practicing the skill on something they already know. Like my kids know their concert F scale. I con- my kids know their B flat scale like they just they don't have pressure on like oh, I gotta do this and do that they just know it so have them practice a skill that they don't do well on something that they do well same thing. my kids are great at rhythm, so what I do to practice articulation is I put up a sight reading factory let's say um I' put up level two and it has the same rhythms that they have in their music. And I just get a, like a marker. We have a smart board, so I get the marker and I put, uh, you know, legatos or I put staccatos, uh, sorry, tenutos or accents. I put the actual um, music marking on these rhythms. And we only do that on one pitch. Today we did it on concert B flat. So on concert B flat, we practice our staccato articulations, Uh, tenuto and our uh, accent articulations because those three are very prevalent in the pieces that we are doing. And then after that, I'd be like, okay, we just practiced that. Now look at your music where you may have those markings and spend a couple of seconds like working on them. And then when, when you hear them as a full ensemble and you hear that they're not doing those articulations as a full ensemble, then that's when you can interject and be like, hey guys, remember, this is a staccato, what do staccato sounds like? And you can do that and they can refresh their memory. I feel like there's a lot of many things you can do in your warm up, or once you sense frustration to take yourself away from the piece and practice what is the fundamental thing that they're, they're messing up on. Are they messing up this piece that has, that's kind of arpeggiated then, you know, like practice, just those three notes or five notes or whatnot over and over again as a whole ensemble. I think it's really important that the ensemble understands concert pitch, like concert B flat, concert F, and that they know that their pieces are in that, that way you can be like, when you're given that break, Hey, here's a break. On concert B flat, let's do the arpeggios. You know, you know, one three five. You know, three one. And then they do that a couple of times as an ensemble. And then be like, now do you see at measure sixty-two that it's just the concert B flat arpeggio? Like sometimes they need their eyes need to get away of the music to realize the physicality of what they're doing. And there's a lot of things like that that you can do within your rehearsal. It's not necessarily 45 to 62, 45 to 62, 45 to 62, over and over again, just figure out what's it they're messing on. If it's notes, then just identify those notes and have them repeated over and over again. Is it rhythm? Then do rhythm. it's so articulation, then put some, uh, the rhythm of the, on the board they're doing and then the articulation. So I don't, that way it's, they're not hurting their mouth so much They're not exerting all this energy. And then layering those things, they will be able to accomplish it sooner and more effectively and more successfully, in my opinion. So all of that was kind of rehearsal base, and now we have hit the um, we've hit the communication, the logistics side of it. We hit some rehearsal techniques to do, and now I want to talk about personally what you should be doing for yourself. So 100% drinking water all the time, the best you can. I actually avoid uh, coffee the week of. I know, right? I try to avoid coffee the week of and just drink water. And that may add like, you know, some lemon juice. So that's not plain. But hydrating water, stretching, stretching your body because you're like doing these long rehearsals. So stretching your body, um, eating uh whole foods or eating like you know the correct foods nothing heavy and fat nothing heavy and um dairy like just 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 eat well balanced I don't know about you but on the day of the concert it's a really long day you have school like so okay so I have school from seven to two thirty and then you have setup time our setup time is four p.m at the high school and then you have to like shower and get dressed because i don't know about you but i sweat mad core when i'm setting up and because we're moving equipment we're moving percussion equipment we're moving podiums we're moving chairs and stands and we're trying to do that as quickly as possible so that we can go home take a shower and come back before our, our call time with our students and for us our call time is 5 45. so there isn't really enough time from four o'clock to 5 45. So if I'm setting up at 4 o'clock and I'm done at 4.45, I only have, you know, less than an hour to come take a shower and come back. So I need to feel, my body needs to feel good for that long haul. My body needs to feel prepared to endure that entire day because it's a lot and the kids come up to you like oh this is broken this is bro-. like you know i lost my sheet music i my reed is broken and like clarinet doesn't work or my i don't have valve oil like there's so many things that kids come up to you and because they themselves they get nervous they come up to you like oh miss gates i don't know i don't know like you know i don't know and as long as you're cool like you're calm they're going to be fine i rather my kids be the like the ones that has a high energy and me grounded. And the only way for myself to stay grounded and feel good on the day of the concert is if I literally prepare myself three to four weeks ahead of time. It's most important that you take care of yourself, for sure. Take care of yourself and um, let people know, like, hey, I'm, I'm, this is concert week. Hey, this is, like, like I tell my husband, like, I'm going to be home late every day leading up to the concert. I'm, and he understands that. Like, there's, You have to let people know, you have to let your, take care of yourself, communicate to those who need to be communicated and really encourage and engage and simplify things for your students so they can feel successful. Uh, That is the tips I have for you uh, on leading up to your concert. I wish everyone a great concert season. Most of us have performances in March and please, by all means, uh, If you want to learn more, listen to the rest of episodes this month. I'll do two more for this month. Definitely subscribe, please subscribe, leave a review. And if you want a more larger conversation, like, yes, Erica, like you're saying these things, I agree. Like, let's meet up. Let's have like a video chat. Let's, you know, talk about our programs. I would love to collaborate with you guys. So if you feel like coming onto the show or just even... Uh, meeting with me and let's talk about band and talk about ways I can help your program. Please uh, let me know. Let me know. DM me on social media. Email me at Erica Gates at musiciansofcolor dot com. Thank you so much for listening. Keep practicing, and I'll see you next time.